Hey guys, and welcome back to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. My name is Sai, like a sigh of relief, and this is the podcast where I basically talk about literally anything. I talk about my life in med school. I'm an MS1 at Baylor College of Medicine, and I'd like to add that none of the opinions expressed on this podcast are reflective of BCM in any sort of way. But anyways, I talk about my lifestyle. I talk about things that I'm doing. I talk about fitness, health. Sometimes I've mentioned like beauty and makeup if you're into that sort of thing. And I am now starting to interview and speak with the movers, shakers, influencers in the field of medicine. And I'm so grateful to have this little outlet. It is truly, truly my stress relief from all of the stresses in medical school. So Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for following me on this journey throughout medical school, on my journey to the MD, um, some might say. I don't know why I am being like this. It's about 11 p.m. and I've had a long day of studying and I'm recording this intro and I wanted to also give a shout out to my boyfriend who definitely edited this entire um, podcast for me because it's been a crazy week. I have exams in about two weeks and this is when things get, you know, into the crunch time. But today's episode is going to be so exciting. I've been wanting to do this for such a long time. It is a collaboration with the Short Coat Podcast, which is a podcast I've been listening to since the beginning of undergrad, probably. And I am so grateful to have this opportunity to sit down with some of the students from the Carver College of Medicine and Dave Etler, who... Um, I guess kind of moderates or co-hosts their podcast and it was such a fun episode. We also did a whole episode where I kind of featured on their podcast and that will be up on Thursday. So definitely go check out the short coat podcast on iTunes. I'm pretty sure. And I'm not sure if it's available on any other websites, but I will link it in the show notes. And before we get into it, make sure you follow me on my Instagram if you want to have your questions featured. This whole episode was answering listener questions and any other tangents where that kind of went. But if you would like to have your questions featured or, you know, just communicate with me in any sort of way, Instagram is the best place to do that. My Instagram is at Cybear, S-A-I-E, bear, like a polar bear. Yeah, it's all one word. Contact me on there. I respond to pretty much every DM I get. I respond to comments. um, And you can follow more of my life on Instagram. I've been posting a lot more on there and it's exciting. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Sorry for my deliriousness. Is that a word? Um, And let's just get into it. All right. Welcome to my friends at the Short Coat Podcast. They're students. Yay! Yay! We have students from the University of Iowa, Carver College of Medicine. They have an awesome, interesting podcast over there, so definitely go check them out. And they were actually pretty inspiring when it came to starting my own podcast. So super excited to have you guys on. I like to to be inspiring once in a while, you know? Yes. It's nice. Yeah, I would say so. Um, You inspire someone every day. day. Usually my job is to to teach people how not to live their lives. (laughs) So... That's how I see it anyway. <laughs> it inspired me that I could rebuild my life if I need to it's about an hour ago. So. Okay. <laughs> good. All good. right. Whose voices are we hearing? Can we introduce ourselves? Yeah, sure. My name is Dave Etler. Uh, I'm the uh, weekly host um, and I guess producer of the, of the show. I'm Isaac Schwanis. I'm a third year. Uh, I'm Aline Sanduk. I'm a fifth year MSTP student. And I'm Rob Humble. I'm a, f- a fourth year 
And I would love to know what specialties you guys are interested in. So I will be uh, starting a pathology residency here at Iowa in at the end of June. Yay! Rob is Rob is proof that you can graduate. Mm-hmm. If, if I, I can do it, yeah, anybody can do it. Well, that's not really what I was. Okay. See, that's inspiring. Just right there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a light at the end of the tunnel, even if it doesn't seem like. That's where I was going. Run towards it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for me, I am mainly interested in pathology uh, or psychiatry, um, given that my graduate work is going to be in immunology. Um, so looking for uh, a place to apply my knowledge of the immune system and disorders um, in immune cells and what that might do uh, to patients on a more global level. Um, and I'm interested in transplant surgery or um, plastics and uh, facial reconstruction. Awesome. And Dave, can you talk about what you do? Um, I most, I, I, my job is uh, to support the writing and humanities program at the Carver College of Medicine. It's kind of a unique program uh, in that uh, most of the things that we do involve distracting medical students from their main work of medicine, although I'm told that there's a branding problem with what I can (laughs) telling people uh about my job but um yeah so we we do a uh, we help medical students with their professional writing um we help medical students with their personal writing um we uh, have a yearly writing and arts conference we have a literary journal called the examined life journal um that you're uh, certainly welcome to uh get a subscription to if that's your thing um and then uh, i also part-time help um the uh the deans in our office of student affairs um, and curriculum with their work. Awesome. And can you talk about what the Short Code Podcast is all about? What can listeners expect to hear over there? So our podcast is mostly about the personalities and the people and the social aspects of medicine. We do talk about science, but my goal in speaking about, say, the latest studies um, is more to get at how med students look at their world um, and, you know, what it is that they're sort of becoming. I like to say that the show is about becoming something more than it is about, you know, uh, medicine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, to the extent that we do that, uh, we have a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. We prefer not to be too serious, but, you know, inev- inevitably. I had a, we had a news article written about us once that described us as veering from the uh, silly to the serious and mm-hmm. that's sort of what we pretty accurate we do. fair representation <laughs> yeah yeah subheadline dangerously unstable <laughs> <laughs> awesome and then for, for the med students uh what does the podcast kind of serve as a purpose in your life and how has your experience been with it so I actually stumbled upon the podcast when I was an undergrad student working in the building next door um while I was uh, doing some data entry And I thought, oh, wow, those people are so cool. That's awesome. I want to do that someday. And then you fast forward a few years. And when I finally got here, I got on the podcast and then I found I wasn't any cooler. But um, (laughs) yeah, that's not how it works, (laughs) Rob. So I'm still trying to find ways to be cool. But I do enjoy talking with Dave and all all my other co-hosts. So I keep coming around. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The podcast for me, um, I started doing this the summer before first year of med school Um, I got on campus a little early and Dave was just out and recruiting like crazy trying to get people to do this and it was really great I was really glad that he uh 
that he uh, caught me so early on in my med school career um, because this has been a really nice way to engage with other students um, in a a way that didn't involve schoolwork um, and studying and uh, kind of the, you know, the culture of med school. This is really a place where students can come and I guess have a creative outlet. Um, All uh, according to my distraction plans. (laughs) You need better PR. (laughs) It's not a distraction. It's the uh, introduction of joy. Some would say, you know. Yeah. Paracology medicine wellness ambassador. Oh, okay. (laughs) We need business cards for that. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And then I got on the podcast. um, I was between two programs, and I came here for Second Look Day. One of the people there who's now a urology resident here um, had introduced the idea of go ahead and listen to this and just kind of see what it's all about on our second look. And I listened to a couple of them. It's kind of interesting. So I've made like a semi-annual appearance every now and again, every year. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Kind of interesting. (laughs) So talk about selling. You know, the what I thought was interesting about it is, um, you know, it was sort of all right. It was sort of all right. The program I, the other program I looked at was not, did not have this type of a, is much more science driven. You had a research year, um, a dedicated yeah. research year. It was oh. um, pretty competitive. And Iowa, I mean, this is still a very good school, um, but it seemed to be a little more supportive of students' lives outside of. Oh, um, so maybe season. you're saying that we. That we that we uh, convinced you to come that the shortcut podcast convinced you to come. No, to Iowa. I'm not saying that. I'm God saying damn it. it. <laughs> I'm saying that it was a part. It was a. It was one of the things that allowed me to see that there, the University of Iowa supported students in other ways than just in our education for medicine. Right. right. That's a good selling point. They should they should put you guys on like their their admissions website. Honestly. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, I will suggest. That. I think they might. I don't know. I. You know, I used to be afraid of uh, of what we do. Um, I used to be afraid that somebody important would listen and, you know, sort of reach out and slap me. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, because medicine's pretty hierarchical, hierarchical, right? It's also very buttoned up. Yeah. Yes. There's this expectation that we are, you know, really put together. We don't joke around. We're not casual. Yeah, we're, this is serious, serious business we're doing yeah. here. Professionals. <laughs> I don't like that. That's definitely something med students <laughs> grapple with. Like, what are we allowed to put on the internet? What kind of political opinions can we say out loud? No. Whatever <laughs> we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I had a guest on my show who I asked that question to, and she was like, be courageous, but don't be stupid. <laughs> and I was like, that is the best <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. I have hard a to coffee follow- mug that says that. Hard, hard to follow in this age of, like, internet outrage, though, you know? like Yeah. Like, you could say something perhaps innocuous and just get your ass handed to you. But yeah. so far, so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so I went to a, a stand-up show yesterday. Sebastian Maniscalco was in town. I don't know if you guys know him. Seabass. Yeah. Um, What's that? I said Seabass. Yeah. Nickname that I've given him. He's so good. He made a joke about... Wait, who is he? So he, he's this very famous comic that like very few people, like if you've, Either you've never heard of him or you have and you love him. Okay. If you follow stand-up, you'd probably know who he is. But if not, probably not. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's not like, uh, you know, one of these bigger names that like goes on to make movies or like has sitcoms. Um, but he tours. He just sold out Madison Square Garden a couple of months ago, like uh, on multiple nights. So, you know, he's kind of a big deal 
in the stand-up community. Okay. Um, but he had this really great bit about uh, expecting his second child. Uh, his wife is going to be having a son in June. And we all clapped because, you know, congratulations on doing the thing your body's designed to do. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but he, like, went on to talk about, you know, now, because he has a daughter, now he has a son. So he's like, you know, I need to go buy some tools, show him how to be a man. And then he made this whole joke about how, like, someone, you know, some troll is going to, like, tweet on Monday. They're like, he said a boy has to be a boy. I'm really mad about this. Yeah. And, like, just. Risky move. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Very avant-garde, you know, to identify a biologically male child as a boy. But Is that something you think about when you do your podcast, uh, Cy, like? Like, oh, God, I could say something. Yeah, I think about it. But then I always think I can just backspace it out (laughs) if I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the really good thing about podcasting. Right. Yeah. There's the edit button. Yeah. I hope you'll use it liberally with with me. That's (laughs) only before publishing it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, no, there won't be any editing. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? I'm changing my whole whole approach to this show. (laughs) This makes me question everything. Um, Yeah, there's... This interesting perspective, too, that like things on the Internet never die, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of scary, you know, considering how many people have sort of gotten nailed for like unsavory things that they've said, but very unsavory things. you know. Yeah. But who knows what will be seen as offensive in 10 years? You know, stuff, right. things we say now that's completely acceptable for this day and age. But like the acceleration of cultural change tells me that like just look at the office look at some of the oh, yeah, topics you, that yeah. they tackled mm-hmm. on the office like and the words that they used that were totally unacceptable yeah you could never show that on basic cable now some of those it. episodes mm-hmm. yeah i think of like so I, I love 30 rock dearly it's my favorite show but like there's some i mean that show ended in 2012 2013 and they have some uh, transgender related jokes that just like you hear it now and you just things cringe. have changed. Yeah. yeah, But is that because people are more aware and open that they, you know, they, they might not want people to get offended. Is that, is that a positive change you think? I think it's on balance, a positive change. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably good to sort of reevaluate um things once in a while i mean i i also it also makes me you know a little a, a, a little bit uh sad that sometimes uh you can't poke fun at things that we used to poke fun at but yeah. you know there's always something it's human nature is filled with opportunities for for making fun of people and there's always fart jokes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a good fallback option for sure right yeah. yeah i mean there's a lot of jokes you can make where nobody gets hurt but there's also like an exceptional, just an exquisite sensitivity these days to, yeah. you know, even the smallest offense, um, you know, can ruin lives and ruin careers. Um, but as long as, I mean, it's easy to tell where someone's values are, right? You mm-hmm. can you can believe wholeheartedly in the importance of diversity and equality and still be able to like make fun a little bit. Um, but you also have to know your audience. Not everyone can stand being made fun of. Uh, and that's, you know, up to the interpretation of the person. So, right. Right. That yeah. is kind of a pity. Po- podcasting, for instance, what podcasting wise, for instance, you know, uh, we're pretty liberal on the show. I don't, I don't know uh, about you, uh, Cy, but yeah. uh, we're pretty, as a group, I think we are fairly uh, liberal. There's probably uh, one or two uh, uh, folks who listen who, who aren't, there's probably one or two co-hosts that aren't, but I think on the whole, um, that's the case. Yeah. So, you know, I, I crack a lot of, you know, sort of side jokes about, you know, about politics and conservatism and lib- and right. actually I really 
And so that's a, it's something that I think about, like, oh, I'm alienating half the country. Um, eh, it's not half the country. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of hard because, like, uh, you know, if if we were all MBAs, our profession wouldn't exist because it makes more sense to just shoot the horse than to fix it, right? <laughs> so, like, by far, I would say the vast majority of people who go into medicine are like, no, I I want to do this impossible thing. I want to make this person better and bring them back to like a healthy life uninterrupted by disease. But yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I take that back. In principle, <laughs> if I was, if you're an MBA, it is more cost effective to retain a customer than to sign on a new one. So maybe I'm totally wrong. But. Yeah, don't add us MBAs. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So okay, like speaking of knowing your audience, um, we have we have this annual event coming up. It's called Frolics, and so each oh. class does a, a skit, like a 25 minutes series of skits, okay. roasting the other classes and the faculty. I bet Baylor has something like that, right? We do, but we're not allowed to talk about it. It's like a very... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you signed well. an NDA before engaging in yeah. the No, it's like, but a, like... it's like something that is for... It's put on by like the older classes for a younger uh, for the younger people uh, that come uh, in, and they're not supposed mm. to like know what it is. <laughs> so Is it sanctioned by the university? Uh, or is I, it like unofficial? It's... It's like I think event. sponsored. Like I, I think we got funding this year for it. But um, whoa! But yeah, you guys. Wow. Okay, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> but um, so like speaking of like alienating people. So w- when I was an M one, I drug my then boyfriend to frolics. He's a pharmacy student, and we get done, and I'm like, "Wasn't that so funny?" And he's like, "Uh, yeah." I didn't get half of that stuff. Yeah, it's not- <laughs> he's like yep. he's like a lot of inside jokes. Yeah. I was going to say, that's why we don't like publish the DVDs because like they, the jokes wouldn't make sense to anyone who's not, doesn't know the professors, doesn't know the curriculum. Yeah. So we don't talk about it outside of Carver, not because like, uh, <laughs> you know, super exclusive or anything, but it's just no one would get it. It's right. super stupid is what. <laughs> that's not true. That's hilarious. Are well, the M, are the, uh, is the M, for, so, so for our frolics, I don't know what you call yours, uh, Cy, but we call it frolics, and for ours, every class puts on a, a thing, mm-hmm. a, 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 a skit, sketch, yeah, um, or a series of skits, or whatever they want to do. Are the M fours uh, going to get in trouble this year, Ron? Has that happened before? Uh, no. But, um, oh yeah. Trouble. So we have a script review committee to uh, rule out <laughs> any um, unsavory content that is crossing the line. That is. It's a very liberal line. So, like, I mean, if we're yeah, yeah. It's basically like if we're cutting somebody's content and telling them not to do it, like it's because it's egregious. Yes, <laughs> I, I think it, I haven't final scripts are, are due, but it's been, today I think so. We'll find out. It's been ages since people got into trouble. So, listen, guys, I'm amazed. I have to tell you this, uh, but this atrocity that you want to make fun of in your skin, we can't. Yeah, we. That's not yeah, going to work. <laughs> not yeah, like it yeah. sounds like it has to be very extreme. But otherwise, like, it's pretty open. Like, yeah. people can make all the jokes that they really want. And everyone seems to enjoy it. Like, there's an understanding that, like, this is a community-building effort. So mm-hmm. right. It's not of malicious intent. It's, like, all in good sport. But In the yeah. past, like, so talking with some junior faculty, there have been events in the past that <laughs> were malicious. And yeah. so that's why we have oh. the review process. Oh. Yes. Sure. Do, people, so, do people get butthurt about it afterwards? 
Yes. Oh. They do. See, Sai is not super buttoned. Not so buttoned up, she can't say buttoned. Yeah, yeah. That was a great litmus test for your sense yeah, of humor. Yeah, like there's always, I, I mean. You know what's great is that, you know, now that we're, I, we're are, we are recording Sai's show. So I'm going to drop a bunch of F-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. Listen, the Indian parents that rely on Sai for help are not going to oh, like this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even really, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just kidding, but actually now that yeah, I say pe- it, yeah. people, There's always like a couple of people that are butthurt, but it's like the same people that are always offended by everything. So like, you're not going to please everyone. And so I hope that all the people that are offended are listening to this now. <laughs> and you know. Hey, let, he, hey, you know what? Let's move on to another line of questioning. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So... My kind of plan for this is to answer listener questions while I have you guys here, Excellent. get a good variety of answers on things. So okay, I sure. will start by reading. Let's read our first question. Um, do you have any advice for an incoming medical student? I'm more anxious about studying only hard sciences since I majored in social sciences in undergrad. The adjustment period is what scares me the most. And then she said she went online to read up on study tips and it made it seem really intense, like reading your notes seven times or more. So if one of you want to take the reins on this question and kind of talk about what you experienced. Uh, <laughs> it's a loaded what question. I always told people, I was a tutor for um, the basic science classes and then I'll be a tutor for step one. Yeah. And I always told people like that came in for our first like block Basically, everyone gets all of biochemistry and everything thrown at them right away. And it's the same with any program. You're all going to have a whole bunch of information thrown at you at the same, like, at an outstanding rate that you've never experienced before. Whatever you've been doing up to this point has put you somehow on the top, like, 10% of all students in the country to become a medical student. Mm-hmm. It's been successful. Don't reinvent the entire wheel, um, but adapt it. Like, so if you did something in undergrad that really worked for you, go ahead and try it and adapt it as you need to. But don't sit there and, like... If you weren't a flashcard person, you're probably not going to become a flashcard person for anything, but maybe farm if you're in med school. You're not right. going to change your entire study habit. So that's what would be my recommendation. And whatever you've done, try it, work it, um, and use that and use those skills that you've developed and then adapt as you need to. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think knowing yourself really well coming in, knowing what works for you, and then not getting phased by uh, what other people do. because. There's a lot of psych warfare in med school. You know, you'll walk in a lecture and there will be people, some people will, will just goof off, not because they're bad people, but like they just have, a, it's just the way that their brain works where they can just listen uh, and not take notes and then just understand everything. Um, and not getting bogged down by not being that person is important. You know, believe in your own process um, and what works best for you. Rob, did you, were you, were you going to comment or? Um, so I was, I, I, was out of school for a few years and then came back and like in undergrad, my method was like, I mean, I'd get like a rep in in lecture. Then I'd review it that day. I would like re-listen to the audio and then write up my notes and like having those multiple passes. Like I did great. You can't do that when there's so much volume. So I, I, I actually had to severely reorient my learning process and it was fine. I survived. Yeah. I mean, I've heard this a lot. Um, from students that you, um, especially what Aline said about, um, about not comparing yourself to other people. Um, that's super tempting to do when you see people like skating through, um, or what looks like skating through. And that's an important distinction, um, because you don't know what's going on, um, with those people. 
Um, we all want to present the best face that we have to the world. And so, uh, you know, it could look like somebody's got it really under control. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you are you. And, uh, you know, you're like, you know, as you guys said, you, you, you made it this far. Your, uh, chances are you're going to be fine and, uh, just keep on keeping on. Always keep moving. Yeah. My favorite analogy with this question that relates to it is, uh, in like horse races, they'll have blinders on the side of the horse so it doesn't see any of the other horses as it's going through mm. um, the race. And I think that's kind of what you have to do in med school where sometimes you can get so caught up in listening to everyone else, their study habits, trying to implement them, it not working <laughs> from personal experience. And uh, mm-hmm. you just got to put your blinders up and focus, keep your head down and focus on what, what you're doing and what works for you. So definitely agree. 100%. Did you, was it a... Was it a, an adjustment for you? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, definitely. Um, I was a sociology major in college, and so I'll just be really real and say I rarely studied in undergrad. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was it was yeah. a transition time, and I was expecting it to be easy, and it wasn't. <laughs> I think something like twenty percent of uh, students nationally uh, come from sort of non science backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's, you know, a fifth, that's kind of a lot um, when you think about what it is that you're trying to do. Um, so you're not alone, questioner. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for that. Um, we'll move on to our next question. So we actually answered something really similar to this on the Short Coat podcast. Check out that episode. Um, so I'll go ahead and read this question. I'm now a sophomore at UC Davis. Can I still get into med school if I've had a couple rough semesters? I'm taking, I'm talking a couple of C's and now I'm struggling again in organic chemistry. Do you guys have any, uh, any advice for this listener? Yes. Yeah. You're in school. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get into medical school. Well, you know, you, you have a chance to get into medical school. Medical school is a numbers game. It is. To some yeah. extent. Admissions is a numbers game. There are only so many spots. Um, and so, yeah, there is a little pressure to, um, maybe a lot of pressure to get awesome grades. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is that, uh, you know, we are, we are looking for, I think medical schools are looking for people who, um, uh, not just people who have done incredibly well, but also people who have upward trajectories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's really important. You know, medical schools, hopefully you're looking for a well-balanced, um, group of students mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily want, uh, a class full of straight A, um, people. I mean, that would make their job easier if every applicant was that, <laughs> um, I guess they could just say, well, we're going to take the first, you know, 150 people who who apply because they all get straight A's, Mm -hmm. but they're also looking for well-rounded people. So whatever activities you're involved with, whatever, um, and whatever upward trajectory you have is going to make a a big difference. And also if you don't get in the first time, don't give up. There's plenty of us, um, who, um, didn't get in the first time. Plenty of us. God damn it. I'm not (laughs) a med student, student. (laughs) There are plenty of y'all who didn't get in the first time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, like impressive statistic. A lot of I think what thirty or forty percent of people now like that are being ad- are matriculating are like re reapplicants. Yeah, yeah. So it's oh, not, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, it's pretty high. 
I think the year that I applied, which was many moons ago, um, <laughs> the number total was like 48,000. And there were only like, I want to say 2,000, 3,000 spots. Ugh. Yeah. And the number of applications have only gone up and the number of spots has been at a much smaller yeah. rate also increased. But um but There's also, a lot of strategy involved in your application process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't get in the first time or the second time and technically not the third time because I got waitlisted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just, technically not the third time, but I have just kind of kept showing up and they, <laughs> they just have no idea that <laughs> I, mean, I found myself presenting on rounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I came off the waitlist after my third time. And I remember like when I opened that and I, opened the decision and it was like waitlist i'm like uh are you kidding me what else can i do but it it worked out yeah i think the tricky thing too about applying to med school is that the like almost as soon as one application cycle ends the next one is starting and so as you're going through the application you already you have to act in a way in which you anticipate not getting in because Mm -hmm. in case you don't get in you need to have done something to warrant a second application that's what's so it's really hard to get a job that way i noticed um Every time I would apply to a job and say, well, I might be going off to med school in September, they'd be like, oh, well, we don't want to hire you for six months of work. And then I wouldn't get in. And then it would be, you know, I would wish I hadn't said that. So, right. Yeah. I took a I took a year off between my second and third cycle specifically for that reason. I'm like, I don't know how I'm not very different than I was this round <laughs> and it wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. Which and it ended up being a good thing. I have no regrets. But also um, schools are looking for different things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just because you didn't get into, or just because you're not the right fit for one school doesn't mean you're not the right fit for another school. You know, people right. who apply, people who, uh, you know, apply to Harvard. Yeah. Maybe they need, uh, you know, the type tippity top grades or whatever. Um, then the people who apply to, you know, other state schools who are looking for different things. Right. Yeah. It's very important to be realistic about where you might be competitive. Um, and culture matters, it mm-hmm. seems. Like, one mm-hmm. thing I've noticed at Iowa, I don't know how calm this is at other schools, but Iowa really focuses on, like, building a class that, you know, has certain features. And that kind of varies year to year. Because, like, the, the the personalities of every class is very different. There's some classes <laughs> yes. I that think are... that's just organic. Yeah. I, think, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Because, you know, the school isn't like, hmm, this year we need a bunch of people who won't do anything. And the personality sure. for the class of 2026 will be... <laughs> From the sorting hat. Sorting hat. Outgoing. Type B. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I, I have a, a post here that kind of relates to this, uh, talking about backup plans for med school. So I saw this post as I was scrolling through my Instagram feed, um, and... It says, stop looking for a backup plan. It's hurting your chances. Psychology research shows that having a plan B allows you to take your foot off the gas and accept that plan B if things get a little hard with plan A. And if you're trying to become a physician, plan A is going to get hard. So what are your opinions? Is that is that a listener post? No, this is, uh, this is a popular med school Instagram account. Oh, that, s- that person sounds like they grew up very that rich. nonsense. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Yeah. You always have to have a plan B, even within medical school. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's a lot of crap. Have a plan Nobody B. should listen to that. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> oh my God, that makes me so angry. Everyone's in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, there's a lot of things you can do that prepare you for med school that can also be used to prepare you for something else. Like, the very, the very process of creating a competitive application for med school 
um, builds a set of skills that you can apply to many different professions. And so, you know, the most strategic thing to do is to, you know, gain skills and experiences that can be applied to many different areas, you know, or professions. So, no, that's ridiculous. I, I know I said this and I don't think anyone heard me, so I'm going to say it again. That post was written by someone who grew up in a millionaire family that could afford to take a risk like that, uh, knowing that, you know, the bank of mommy and daddy will bail them out. <laughs> and as a, a patron of the bank of mommy and daddy, I understand, you know, my wow. parents aren't rich, but my parents helped me a lot to get into med school. But I always had a plan. You have to have a plan B. That's insane. Yeah. Roasted. Oh, man. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's consider though <laughs> that I I think maybe I have seen this post, and I think maybe the intent, if I wanted to be, if I you know, I think maybe the intent is to say that go hard on your on your plan. I think that's the intent of this. Go hard on your plan. Then say um, that and put that other bullshit on Pinterest. I just. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see those things as being mutually exclusive. I think you can commit full scale to your primary plan, but still be doing things that would then, you know, enable you to shift gears into something else. Yeah, that just sounds very irresponsible. And like, I think that that's like part of a larger problem in the culture of medicine, where it's like you are a doctor, and that is the one thing that you do. And like, I mean, so like, there's been some commentary in academic medicine over the last few months about people phasing out of their careers and when they go into retirement, they don't know what to do because that's the only thing they don't know how to do. And they're really unhappy. Yep. Like, so if we don't learn how to be people that are multifaceted now, we're never going to, and we're ultimately going to be unhappy when this comes to a stop. hundred percent. End of rant. Yeah. And so, so many of the plan B's have the same qualifications, if not, you know, the, if not more qualifications than getting into med school. So if you want to be a PA or if you want to, uh, be an MA or be in, be in healthcare somehow, and that's your plan B, or going to a post-bac program is your plan B, you're still going to be doing the same things, you know, you wanted to do for plan A. Like, there's a lot of overlap there. And so... Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I will more... Dis dis I will more... Uh, I will disagree with that post. Um, uh, because we bullied you into it? Yeah. Well, no. Just, you disagree with the literal reading, but the spirit is what you're trying I, to get Just because I... I, I I personally am not the kind of person who goes hard at anything. Uh, <laughs> I would, you know, like, so, you know, my whole life is a plan B. Uh, there's probably, you know, and then calling it a plan is, 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 uh, is, is charitable. It sounds like um, you might be qualified so for the, the class of 2026, I think. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. So we'll move on to another question. This one, I would I would like an answer from all of you guys. I think it's a really good question. So it is, has your why do you want to be a doctor answer differed after medical school and how? Mm. Why? Why does your answer? Why does your say it again? <laughs> <laughs> it says, has your answer to the question, why do you want to be a doctor differed? before you started med school and then now after that you're already in, you're taking classes. How has that answered? How is, how is your why changed? Yes. I think my, so I'm going to put a little plug in for the um, Jason Lewis and the writing and humanities program here, because I'm part of a personal professional compass like tract here. And mm -hmm. one of the things you have to do is kind of evaluate and write about certain values you've had and how that's changed over medical school. When I first came into med school, I chose medicine 
because I really liked science. I really liked research. I really liked teaching and I really liked helping people. And the, the one thing I could do all at the same time was medicine. Mm. And those are still like the core values of why I want to be a physician. But now that I'm in clinic, you know, why do I actually want to dedicate 80 hours a week of my day to my patients, you know, in transplant, for instance, is I, I've identified a group of people that are ostracized by society that I love giving second chances to, that I love the procedure, that I love the immunology, that I love the everything about the field. So I, I think that for me, it hasn't changed in the sense that, um, you know, the, the core reasons of those four tenets of why I chose medical school are still very going to be very prevalent throughout my career. It's just now maybe my passion is like refined that a little bit more in terms of this is how that's going to apply. Right. I don't know. I don't know if I just said a whole lot of nothing or said something. I think it sounded no, something. I, I think like that. that. Was a, yeah. Yeah. That was a four and a half stars. Answer. Four and a half. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I would agree with that completely. My sense for. I changed my review to five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I definitely knew I wanted to do something that involved helping people. And uh, I agree with Isaac that medicine seemed to be the most universal way to do that. In the sense that, you know, you're learning skills and gaining knowledge that will help you help your family from your family to like someone on the street to someone who doesn't even speak your own language because everyone bleeds blood. Everyone is afraid of death. Everyone, you know, hates pain. It doesn't really matter. Um, but then you get to med school and you realize that like a medical degree doesn't just empower you to heal people. There are so many things that you can do. There's counseling, there's social work, there's public health. Like there's, I, my understanding of the use of a medical degree was very limited coming in. And now that I've been here, the why hasn't changed, just the how, I guess. I th I'm assuming that whatever my answer for wanting to be a doctor was four years ago, it probably was like science, helping people, passion, prototypical research, oh, yeah. very personal like, statement mm -hmm. answer. And it, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to like say things that differ too much from that. You just have to try to package it uniquely. And like none of those things have changed at all. I also think that, I mean, we, we have, we have a major problem in, I mean, I don't, I don't know about outside the U S but in the U S like we don't really have a physician workforce that is a cross section of our population. It skews very heavily towards the high income households. Mm -hmm. And I know that, I mean, like these things are not going to be dealt with unless people deal with them to say something really obvious. And like, I, I care about um, opportunities and things like that, especially for people that don't have a foot in the door at the beginning. And, so I see my answer, like an addendum to that generic answer being trying to shape this profession to the whatever small degree I can individually and through my the work I do with uh, colleagues down the road as trying to make that physician workforce resemble more the population at large. And I think that a lot of our systemic issues within healthcare and within the profession can be tied back to that lack of representation in the workforce as a whole. I am not ever going to be a doctor, much to the relief of patients around the world. So. <laughs> uh, I guess an extension, an extension of that question was, uh, what did you um, think you were going to do specialty-wise and what did you end up doing? Are you looking for different things now in terms of a future lifestyle now that you've kind of gone through a couple years here? Uh, I mean, I'll say I definitely came in thinking I would do palliative care. Hmm. 
Um, interestingly, I, I'm really affected by the suffering of others um, in like a very visceral way. And so palliative care seemed like a really uh, good fit for me. And, you know, just because of, of all the fields of medicine, I feel like, you know, the culture used to be that patients are recipients of care, not partners in care. And that's changing a lot. Mm. But of all the specialties, I feel like palliative care is the most um, impacted by the wishes of the patient. And I really liked, um, I really liked the idea of being in a specialty where really everything I did was centered around the preference of the person I was serving. Mm. Um, however, having shadowed a little bit in that field, now I see uh, how much it might affect my well-being to see some, to, to see people suffering so, uh, so much on such a you know, constant basis and not necessarily having the tools to help in the the most comprehensive way. Um, but it it also means that coming into med school, I was exposed to other fields that I didn't have exposure to before. And that kind of, you know, made me question whether or not I would want to go into those fields instead. So. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I worked in a pathology lab beforehand and kind of came in thinking, man, I really like path, but I tried to be open-minded um, throughout rotations. And there was like a eight day stretch where I'm like, I'm going to go into ob I love catching babies. <laughs> and then uh, that wore off. And <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I am going into pathology and I think that's all fine and good. I think that, I mean, I knew, I had a sense that I probably wanted to do academics, but now I'm like fully committed to like I, I want to work in academic medicine and I probably want to take on some admin roles uh, given my interest in teaching and like curriculum type uh, content. And then also the avenues that provides in terms of affecting policy at both like the, the local state and federal level. So when I, I'm not, I'm not on a different trajectory, but there's, there's more, there's more there, there um, than originally. Yeah, I uh, came in originally thinking I was going to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, and that was just, I mean, I started in medicine because I, I would, couldn't be a farmer. So I was going to be a doctor. I mean, that to give you an idea of how I made oh. decisions up front. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a yeah. lot of people at Iowa come from farming. Families. Are you a farm kid? Yeah. Okay. It's a Texas yeah. thing Northern too, Iowa. I think. Small, like three, town of 350 up North Iowa. Wow. So, yep. I came here from the East Coast, so that, oh. that was uh, very exotic to me, yeah. uh, to meet people who, like, outside of television, had actually grown up on farms. And the work ethic is mind-blowing. Like, I can see why so many of you end up in medicine, because, like, the skills that you need to run a farm are so diverse and require, like, a level of discipline, you know, that I, I just didn't have exposure to as someone who, you know, is mostly an urban person. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What the kind of farm is also cool. Uh, we were uh, row crapping. We had hogs and cattle. So I've uh, I've gated cattle at my uh, husband's oh. parents' farm. There you go. Mm -hmm. Does that have anything to do with ripping off their genitals, or is there? No, something? no, no. That's just like <laughs> tricking them to go through the gates yeah. when it, when it's time. To oh, feed them. okay, okay. It's always <laughs> about the genitals with you, Dave. For me, oh my God. It's true. Amazing. Um, so you decided between farmer and <laughs> yeah, farmer and doctor. Come back to but, the point. Um, <laughs> and I, what I liked about cardiothoracic surgery up front was like my family, like 30% of Americans had a whole bunch of heart history in it. So I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I can do that. Um, and what I found through rotations is um, I, I'm passionate about transplant and I really like facial reconstruction because um, especially transplant, people are really, really, really sick. And then you 
take a really bad situation because someone unfortunately typically dies or they do die during a liver transplant. Um, and you can make something really, you can really try to make a positive impact out of something really, really bad. Mm. Um, and you know, these patients that get livers often are like extremely profoundly thankful. Um, and they really change their lives and, you know, having someone on the brink of death's door and four days later after liver transplant going home and six weeks later looking like a completely normal person is, is outstanding. I, I can't imagine doing anything else, but, uh, um, you know, the, there's a couple other factors of an interest. I don't know if trying to play into that and plastics would have a lot better work life balance than transplant does and that type of thing, but. I like how Isaac is over here like, I want to give people a second chance. And I'm like, I want to look at pretty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, medicine is, uh, medicine is, I've, in, in the, you know, eight years that I've been doing this podcast, the thing, the thing that I have learned, the overriding thing that I have learned is that medicine um, is one of those rare careers where you can do anything you want in medicine. You know, you can work with. Paradox of choice, though. It is. Yeah, well, yeah. But you choices. can, but you can. But you can work with, but as you go through it, you develop an interest, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as you're exposed to these different avenues, you go, hey, you know what? I could work with that population or I could work with, do that kind of medicine or I could focus on academics or I could do, or I could be a, a, a small town doctor or anything. I mean, it seems like one of these professions where the world, you could be a, a, a congressman, <laughs> Uh, Rob, God, yeah. Rob. Rob's going to be a congressman one Rob. day. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I would not have the blessing of my husband. That no, no, no. I don't no. think he wants to be. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Politician, not a good work-life balance. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to be. Uh, I'd like to have my input taken into consideration by whoever my congressperson is. Fair enough. But I don't want. I don't. I do not want to fly back and forth to D.C. all the time. That sounds awful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And call people for money like a third of every day. Ugh. Point is, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. in medicine it's a they really don't cool tell career you that, but they, it's you not can. it's not something that is like i don't know for some reason it's not something that's talked about a lot i think the world is our oyster lecture comes between m2 and m3 oh it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it's not formalized in the there yeah, okay. I, asked, I asked that question selfishly because i i want to know how people are making their decisions because i'm i mean i'm just in first year but kind of looking into what i want to do so it's really nice to hear your, your guys' thought processes on everything. I think in light of that, uh, the one piece of advice I'd like to add, uh, what everyone said is, uh, pay attention to how your body and your mind are responding to situations. Like, there are people who talk about going to psych and walking into a, the room of a schizophrenic patient and like that like turns their brain on. Like they get really excited and jazzed up about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, to some people that sounds really terrifying, but ultimately like, paying close attention to how you're responding to things that bring you joy and bring you satisfaction. And then kind of following that thread um, throughout your training, I think is really beneficial. You'll end up doing something you love. But also try to distinguish between uh, the um, feeling you get from the uh, residents who are, are being a real pain in your, in your tochus uh, <laughs> and the feelings that you feel toward that, um, career in general. Because. And that's a tough thing to distinguish when you're on clerkships is do I, I really like the team, but do I really like the job? The job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. Because who you work with can make or break any rotation that you have. You yeah. can hate your OB-GYN rotation if you want to be OB-GYN or you can love your psychiatry rotation and just say, I'm not going to do psychiatry. You know. Absolutely. There was a, I remember like this, I think it was the summer before I started med school. I just happened to listen to this 
interview um, on the Ezra Klein show with um, Atul Gawande. Yes, love and, him. Uh, me too. Um, and he, he he kind of he made the point that like medicine, a lot of medicine is like an apprenticeship model, like with our clerkships and stuff, and how a, lo- a lot of times people end up deciding what they want to do because they find somebody that they find interesting and intriguing, and then you eventually start putting yourself in their mm-hmm. shoes. And then it, I mean, I think I found like I had I had written down something from that interview in my um, notes app on my iPhone, and I was like deleting stuff a while back, and I came across like whatever like note I had made about that, and I'm like, oh my god, that's that's absolutely yeah. what happened. You yeah. find your people. That's yes, what yeah. Everyone says you find your people, and that's who you go like gravitate towards. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Love it. Um, so I have one final question as we're wrapping up. So as med students, we're kind of just, I mean, at least as a first year, I'm kind of just bopping around. I'm trying not to cause too much trouble. (laughs) Um, And so um, my question is for you guys, what is the most embarrassing thing you've done as a medical student? I have a really good one. So I really want to go last. Oh, man. Yes. Should I let Isaac, do you want to go first? I'm trying to think. I know immediately what it is. Oh, wow. (laughs) The number of times I have broken down crying in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) If I could go back in time. There are so many people on this campus. I literally, I can't even look them in the face because I'm like, you have seen me at my most fetal. (laughs) 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 Just just crouch down in the corner, you know, and maybe not so dramatic, but like Dave has seen me that way. You know, it's it's a really stressful process. Mm -hmm. And... Any hangups that you have coming into med school, like as psychologically and emotionally healthy as you think you are, the pressure is so intense that like any crack in the wall, medicine will inject itself right into that and then bring out all these issues and all, you know, all these insecurities that you have. And so I wish that I um, had been more private. I think about like the emotions that I was having with feeling incompetent and inadequate. For sure. Yeah. I will never tell anybody about how I had to pick you up off the floor that one time when we were sobbing. <laughs> that never happened. Aww. Just to the audience. But no, I have cried in your office a lot of times. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you. I, I still don't have a box of tissues in there, but <laughs> after all these times, you still didn't get a box. I'm sorry. I um I don't have anything that really really comes to mind that, like of all the things I can think of over the past three years now. Um <laughs> is during for our transplant cases I, when I was a uh, on my core year rotation transplant as a server uh, surgery selective I was selected to be on and you have to present these patients in front of the grand rounds of like so you have social work you have pharmacy you have everyone there to make a decision whether or not this patient's a candidate for a liver transplant so there's like 50 people in a room when you're presenting this patient and then I had uh, said something along uh, for we we're looking at a patient that had um, something called hepatorenal syndrome mm. and uh, liver failure that causes renal failure. And one of the things I said, oh, we were going to look at a mag scan. And one of my attendings and kind of like a pimp question in front of everyone says, all right, what's a mag scan? And like, what is a, how does a mag scan work? And at that time, I didn't know what a mag scan was. So I was like, oh, it measures the magnesium excretion of a kidney and just like set it like I fake it till you make it right and he's like absolutely not and then like a whole bunch of the pharmacy people knew what it was and started laughing <laughs> so like the rest of the like transplant every time i was on transplant nephrology or during those three weeks i was like oh so um should we get a mag scan on this patient so oh my and then i just got my sub eye and transplant and they uh brought up the so i'm infamous in the department for having a mag scan i'm like what's oh, the great. moral of that story there uh isaac 
<laughs> say when you don't know something, just say you don't know. There you go. <laughs> but we're so indoctrinated, like, all right, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And then you just go till you don't know, and then you guess, and then you're done. And they're like, all right, you tried. That's the best. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, That's good. So, uh, and this is also a surgery related story. Uh-huh. So, on uh, so I started clinical rotations on surgery, um, specifically on the breast service. And on the first surgery I scrubbed in on, I'm on my first day in the OR, um, we're, we're there, we're, we're, we're taking a lump out of, um, it would have been the right, we were taking a lump out of the right breast, I was on the left side of the table, and like, I'm kind of a sweaty person. Oh no. <laughs> and whatever, I'm like, I'm just warm, whatever, and like, I did not yet have an appreciation for how, appreciation for like weird positions you're going to be like leaning in to see the field properly and i didn't realize my glasses were slipping down my face no oh no (laughs) and my glasses fell from my face onto the surgical field oh no onto the left breast which was not the one we were operating on oh my god and i wanted to die and the room like froze. I, th- I swear the temperature dropped like 30 degrees and the staff just like gives me this look of like, I wish you were dead. And she's like, get back. Oh man. They didn't get kicked out. And, and so like, and so they were able, because it was, they were able to remove the glasses and drape yeah. over that. And then it was fine. And I'm like, so I had been like, I, so I'm just like, they resume surgery and I'm just like standing there after having backed up. I'm like, so should, should I go rescrub? <laughs> and they're like, don't you have a meeting later? <laughs> I'm like, oh. oh yeah, well not for a little bit. They're like, you should go early. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and so, so it was like me, the staff and the fellow from the team that were on there. Cause our resident was on some, on some other procedure. So like. Months later, I run into her, the the resident that was not in the room, because like I I had like gone from getting dismissed that day and like run straight to the store to buy like a strap for my glasses so they would never fall off again. <gasps> and she was like, she was just she, this this resident was joking with me. She's like, "Do you still have that strap?" <laughs> and, and I'm like, and I'm like, I was so mortified by that whole thing. And she's like, "What whole thing?" Yeah, nobody had ever told her. She's like, Rob, that's so funny. She's like, yeah, you should have gotten a strap earlier. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. But I mean, it it never happened again, so. I feel like medical staff forget quickly. Like something happens and they get upset. And then the next day you're like, hey, I'm really sorry about that. They're like, about what? Let's go see this patient. Let's go. I remember my... So, so my now husband was like, "How was your first day?" And I'm like, "My glasses fell on somebody." <laughs> I'm not gonna do this. Oh my gosh! Uh, Buy uh, straps for okay. your glasses, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The moral of the story. I, med student pro tip. I was gonna say I thought of a medical situation that was embarrassing. Um, and I'll make this quick. I know because this is our last question. Uh, I scrubbed in on a C-section. Mm. And uh, when they took out the uterus, I literally was like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I recognized it, you know, from the pictures in the book. And I was like, oh, my God, it's huge. And they're like, yeah, it has a baby in it, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. When I was walking in, they, like, handed me, like, galoshes. And I was like, what are these for? And they're like, oh, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Wait, what are 
uh, like rain boots that go all the way up oh. to your knees. Yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of fluids. Oh yeah. my God. I think, you know, the, the message here, if I can extrapolate all of these stories, <laughs> is that medicine is going to take you out of your comfort zone, way out of your comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's best to, um, I don't know. It's a problem. I, I would think that for a lot of things, you can anticipate the sorts of things that are going to go wrong. And maybe, I don't know, if you're the planner type, which I am not, sort of think of like, okay, how am I going to react when I am embarrassed? How am I going to react when I'm way outside of my comfort zone? Um, you know, I, do, do you, is, that, is that at all like a good advice or is that just stupid? I think reading about riding a bike in a book is not as Same good as, as exactly yeah. like right. you can have all the textbook knowledge in the world and then you go to do the thing and you're like uh i don't know how does this work <laughs> yeah so. what did uh, who was it uh our our former co-host keenan laraway i think it was oh, who said that yeah. uh you know medicine is a game that you don't know the rules for until after you're done playing it yeah you know, like, until you break a rule right right so you know thing to keep in mind you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna we'll screw get up. That and you're gonna be okay. Screw up. You're gonna get made fun of. Yeah, and, and we're that's here all to learn. The... You know, yeah. so right? no one can really blame you for not recognizing. Everyone's the been there before too. At the end of it, right? Yeah. The, like the <laughs> attendings that were that student at one point, and like, oh, I remember that. Now maybe they don't remember that at this point that they're so removed, but it's in there somewhere. Everyone's been there. Yeah. So, so was that a dig at me about the uterus? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a you dig have at the all. right. <laughs> yeah. No, you can make fun of me for as long as you like. I think. The most important thing to remember is like whatever you have done wrong or, you know, missed, worse has happened and worse will happen. Mm -hmm. And people yeah. forget quickly. So, yep. it's, yeah, it's great advice. Buy, buy a glasses strap. <laughs> buy, a, <laughs> buy a glasses strap. Always get a strap. Yep. Always. All the straps. <laughs> or have good eyes. <laughs> <laughs> contact <Yeah>. lenses. <laughs> or yes, contact. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, well, in the OR, don't do too. the contact. No, don't, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> oh, why in the OR? Because if they fluids. fall out, you won't be able to find them. Well, that too. But like, I'm always if there's fluids or something like that, like in a big X lap, I'd you want some kind of protection so you don't have like things oh. getting your contacts and stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ew. I've heard this is a total tangent, but I've heard you're in principle not supposed to wear contacts in a research lab because uh, if any like noxious gases are emitted from the whatever you're working on, they can get between your eyeball and the contacts mm -hmm. and then oh. be trapped oh, yeah. there. That sounds Astonal like an old one. We're on Astonal. infectious Astonal. disease right now, and we talk about pseudomonas in contact lenses uh, like yes. twice a day. <laughs> yeah, everyone's super freaked out by it. No, dailies. <laughs> dailies, oh. yes. That's so on ophthalmology. If you ever rotate on ophthalmology, you like the number of eye infections. Eye infections from leaving your contacts in is an. It's like every teenage. Every teenager needs to like spend a day in that clinic so that they take their contacts out at night because it gets really gross really quick. Our yeah. country needs a like a more organized social education component to <laughs> schooling, like ha like just basic hygiene things, maybe you know. Um, and which is not such that not to suggest that people who leave their contacts in are dirty or anything, but like just like basic self care techniques. Because mm -hmm. if you have parents who've never worn contact, maybe they don't tell you. Sounds like we need we need like a developed health curriculum in this mm. country. Oh, really? That's, oh, no about that. That's madness, sir. I, I won't hear of Sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Blasphemy. All right. So I think <laughs> we're probably going to end the podcast off here. 
But thank you so much to the medical students from the University of Iowa, Carver College of Medicine. Yeah, hey, thanks for We're having so happy us. To see yeah. you. Of course, and go nice go check out the Short Coat podcast. I'll have everything linked in the show notes. And thank you to Dave for kind of hosting and uh, and your podcast voice is great, must I say? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, thank you, uh, and and to your listeners who maybe submitted questions that we didn't get to. Yes, uh, you know, look us up on uh, our Instagram. And uh, send them to me because when I heard how many questions you people sent, I was freaking jealous. <laughs> yes. Send me some Instagram questions. Okay. Yes, for sure. I, I tagged <laughs> you guys in a story, actually, in the story that I asked for questions. What? So Awesome. So awesome. people can awesome. find, find you guys there. Awesome. Well, bring it on. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day, wherever you are. Thank you so much for listening to that episode and making us a part of your week. A huge shout out to the Short Coat Podcast. They are doing some really great things over there. And if you want to support them, they sell t-shirts and sponsorships on their website. So you can just go to, um, just Google the Short Coat Podcast and it'll come up. And so their t-shirts are like $15. It's a really good deal. Um, They're kind of cute. Like they're really cool looking. So go ahead and buy one. And all of the money goes to the Mental Health Advocacy Organization. They have a different charity each quarter, I believe. Um, And yeah, that's a really good way to just support that organization and get a cool shirt while you're at it. And as for me, if you can go ahead and follow on Spotify and go ahead and rate and review on iTunes, I love reading everything that you guys have to say in terms of criticisms or literally anything. I just love getting feedback, whether it's good, bad, whatever. Leave it for me. Um, And thank you so much for joining me. I hope you guys like these um, segments where I talk to other med students. I truly loved everyone that spoke on this episode. They were so great, well-spoken, and yeah, I'm just really happy that the podcast is heading in this direction. So without boring you anymore, um, thank you for listening, and that's it. So have a great week, guys.